You're listening to the Run For Your Lives podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pake. And this is the Run for Your Lives podcast. This episode, we're talking about the American horror film Us, which was written, produced, and directed by Jordan Peele, released March 22nd, 2019. Ooh. <sighs> Such a good one. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this one since we covered uh, Little Monsters last season, and I was all up in my Lupita Nyong'o fan moment. And I was mm-hmm. like, we got we, we to do us. And so, of course, it's going to be one of the first ones we do coming back this season. <laughs> I know. And you know what, listeners? Paik wants us to negate all of our future monster movies and just cover whatever <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o has been in. I put a stop to it, though. Ah. Uh, I think everybody would be into that. It just became a Lupita, Lupita Nyong'o like, fan cast, right? Just um, discover her. I'm not sure about that. That's really I'm just, I'm different. Just have to start that one on the side. Okay. In now, all that, you- now that Daphne's not listening, anybody else out there, you know, just just hit me up, slide into the DMs, and I'll uh, find a co-host for the Lupita Nyong'o fan cast. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, no. <laughs> In all your no. spare time. Right, exactly. Then all the time I have for another podcast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sure. Sure, Peg. Add Mm -hmm. that to the list of things that you have to do. Yeah, no. Oh, God. I'm already already stressed out. I'm already about to start crying thinking about it now. (laughs) (laughs) No, we can't Uh, have that happen. Now, come on. Don't start making me think about what I have to do because then... There it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm hanging on a thread. I'm on the edge here. No. <laughs> you know what's mm. funny is we're recording this right after we got back from Fandemic. Yes. Yeah, we, <laughs> again, the weird time, future past way that we record things and, and stack them up and then release them later. So for you listening to this, Fandemic was a long time ago. But for yeah, us. we just, just got back from it, which... To those of you listeners who were there and said hi and hung out with us, you know who you are, and I really appreciate it. That was super awesome to see some of you again, some of you for the first time. It was yeah. really fun. It was really cool. <laughs> it was so great. And for anyone who is interested, these will have been posted long before this podcast is. Pake did some panels at Fandemic, and I'm going to be sharing them on our social media so you guys can check them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was my first convention. I made it through okay. I think I would go to another one. You know, we'll see. But we should get back on task now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and talk a little bit about Us, which is a movie that I loved when i saw it i think jordan peele is brilliant i love that he's bringing a different perspective to movies i think that between him and john krasinski they both have brought us such fantastic ideas and films and i just can't wait to see more yeah which 
again, maybe there's more info about this out now as you're hearing this, but from where I'm sitting in the time space time continuum, uh, (laughs) (laughs) there's not much. I forgot to ask her about it over the weekend at pandemic, but, uh, Kaylee Fleming is going to be in a new project that, uh, is being helmed by Krasinski. I don't know a lot about it, but I'm, I'm excited (laughs) to see what that will be. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm on board for whatever he or Jordan Peele do because yeah. they haven't let me down yet. And I'm just super stoked for whatever they bring to the screen. So with that, I'm going to do what I do and bring a little behind the scenes information. This film, Us, was filmed on location in Santa Cruz, California. My cousin Santa lives there. Cruz. Santa <laughs> Cruz. Santa Cruz. With some parts being filmed in Los Angeles and Pasadena. This is the second film from popular comedian Jordan Peele, which we've talked about. The third, called Nope, is coming out in July of this year. Based on what I've seen from the trailers, we will cover it on this podcast. It's super strange. Nice. The idea of the tethered living underground was something that Jordan Peele thought of. When he was a teenager riding the train home from work, the movie was scored by Michael Abels, who also did Get Out, and our friends at Industrial Light and Magic did the special effects. Budget for us was $20 million. It grossed $255.2 million, was 116 minutes long. Paik, give us a synopsis. All right, the spoiler-free synopsis really doesn't give too much away. Is a family serene beach vacation turns to chaos when their doppelgangers appear and begin to terrorize them. Ooh, creepy. And yes, and I will give a forewarning here now. I left that synopsis a little spoiler-free, kept it vague enough, because this is another one of those movies, just like when we covered last night in Soho. Last season, this is one of those movies with a huge twist, a huge thing that just you got to watch it for it to pay off. So hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, you have watched the movie. I know there are some people out there who listen to us cover something first and then go back and watch it for the first time. You do you, but I am warning you that this movie really does need to be, you know, seen and and (laughs) you got to experience it and that twist and everything for yourself i really feel the same way that i gave this with soho so i'm giving you that warning now because when we start talking about it in just a second i'm gonna go ahead and lay out the big twists and reveals right at the beginning because we're going to talk about them so we might as well get them out the way so i hope (laughs) that before we do that you have watched this (laughs) all right i'm glad that you've laid it out there and that you're going to to reveal it all right at the start Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to worry about tiptoeing around the obvious. Because trying to break the whole movie down without talking about that big reveal before we get to it later is just going to make everything real weird. So we're going to have to spill it out so that way we can just jump around. (laughs) All right. Yes, jump up, jump up, and get down. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I just said that. And I'm cutting uh, it, it out. No, never. <laughs> I'm just in that. I don't know. I'm, I'm pasting it back in. Not that I have access to it, but I'm mentally doing it. <laughs> uh-huh, sure. 
I think I'm just still riding the high from being at Vandemic, so I'm in a really like fun mood. Plus, we're mm-hmm. recording this at a at a time that we don't normally record the podcast, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Maybe the late night recording is even more fun than <laughs> the early evening recording, but this is what works for us. We both have busy schedules and things that we're doing, so we have to uh, fit things in sometimes. Yeah. Kind of driven up within the next, like, after, like, next week, I'll have driven back and forth to Dallas, like, four or five times within the span of, like, a month. Yes. So. And you had a long road trip. Yep. You have been <laughs> Throw really that busy. in the middle of it, too. It's kind of oh, funny. Yeah. You told me that you think... The next two months after that, you're going to take a break and just kind of veg. Yeah. I think we've got some like plans in like May and then yeah, I do a little bit of that. And then honestly, probably for the rest of the year, not really plan on doing much, at least not any big things. All right. <laughs> I need to veg out. There's one really <laughs> big thing I think that you're planning to do at the end of the year. Exactly. Wait till that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway. Getting to the movie, we'll jump into it like we always do, and typically, yeah, we kind of break down character by character. This is one of those movies that everything is intertwined. There's so many different things Mm -hmm. going on, and it's kind of a, all the characters are together all the time for the most part. Yes. So we're just going to jump around, get to all our notes, however we get to them. Yeah. This is going to be a good one. I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited too. So, fair (laughs) warning, last warning, right now is the part where you need to stop if you have not watched the movie and do not want... The amazing, incredible Jordan Peele reveal to be given to you beforehand. All right. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. So now that people have been warned once, twice, three times a charm, you're on your own <laughs> at this point. Cake, uh- <laughs> I have to ask you, did you figure out the twist before it was uh, revealed? The first time I watched this movie? No, I did not. I did figure mm. it out. No, it was a complete shock to me the first time. Of course, then rewatching it other times. Jordan Peele lays things out so well. I mean, there's foreshadowing every second yeah. of this movie. There's so many hints and so many clues. But if you're not looking for them, it is, it's easy to miss. Yeah. But yeah, when you're looking for them, like when I'm watching it for this and really taking notes, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's pretty obvious. But it was, it was cool. So what that is, obviously, is, yes, we have these doppelgangers, the tethered, that live underneath the ground and have decided to revolt and come up and replace their humans that they are connected to. Of course, the big twist being that young Adelaide at the beginning who sees her tethered doppelganger in the uh, the House of Mirrors was replaced by that doppelganger. And of course, the Adelaide that we follow with her family throughout this whole movie was initially the tethered that stole and took the life, basically, the, from this other actual Adelaide. And so that's why she kind of knows what's going on the whole time. <laughs> yeah. And it's real creepy because... Red, who is the real Adelaide, Mm -hmm. tells a really gross, creepy story about how her life compares to Adelaide's. Mm -hmm. And that really affected me. It's like, oh my God, it's just, yeah, it's very intense. This movie is very intense. It doesn't hold back. Like anything Jordan Peele does, it doesn't hold back. It it's right. always lays it out there. And there were little things throughout the movie that I'll get to in production notes that are 
Very clever. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure I've got a few of those clever notes. I have not looked ahead in what you have. I'm <laughs> waiting expectantly to see what you got. But I'm sure because I, I wrote down a couple of things. And then finally, I got to the point where I just wrote down kind of under like extra notes where I was like, Jordan Peele has several layers of reasoning why he uses themes and symbols. Like there's the number 11 and mm-hmm. rabbits and all these things are in the movie. And there's like, it would be a whole lot for us to dig into. And we don't have that kind of time on a podcast. We don't. Uh, <laughs> so I do recommend searching it out. Uh, he has some very interesting thoughts and explanations floating out there on the internet. Yeah. Look at that. And you know, I wouldn't be able to list all the visual hints and references because they're everywhere. So it even fun after we talk about this, go back and watch the movie again. Look for all of them. There, yeah. It's, it's breadcrumbs. Cool. <laughs> there are breadcrumbs yeah. everywhere. <laughs> there were a couple things about this movie before we jump into the character. I want to say that little Addie was wearing this thriller t-shirt that her dad won for Love her. It. Okay. I have to admit, I was terrified of Michael Jackson's thriller when I was a teenager. <laughs> I was so scared. And then my mom rented the making of Thriller and we watched it. And after that, I watched every scary movie I could get my hands on. That's cool. (laughs) So, and the other thing I have to say is I don't like scissors. And they're so prevalent in this movie that it just creeped me out even more. So, yeah. yeah. The the, the scissors being... The weapon of choice of the tethered for the reason it's all symbolism. There's mm-hmm. everything is symbolic where it's literally their goal to sever and cut the ties. Yeah. Cut the tether between them and the humans living above ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so deep. So much symbolism. Okay, Paik, let's get started. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, we talk about Adelaide, young Addie with her thriller t-shirt but, you know, again, we, we see a little bit of what happens in Santa Cruz with her family. Seems like she just kind of wandered off and got lost for 15 minutes or so. And somehow that traumatized her so much that she completely forgot how to speak and how to do a lot of things. Hmm, I wonder why that. It's almost like she's a completely different person. person. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now as an adult, her and her family, her husband and children are heading back to, I guess it was her mother's place. I think so, yeah. They were, yeah, yeah. yeah, for a nice, quiet, fun family vacation. Mm -hmm. But as soon as her husband Gabe mentions going to Santa Cruz Beach, the boardwalk, specifically where all that happened, uh, clearly that bothers her. It's... Yes. It's, yeah. (laughs) It's where, uh, you know, things went down. Yeah, she doesn't. Uh. <laughs> she definitely does not want to go back there. Yeah, it's where we are left to believe the first time watching this movie that that's where she encountered this doppelganger of herself, and it traumatized her and scared her. While yes. really, it's where she took the life. Uh, like I say, mm-hmm. took the life. It sounds like killed, but I mean, literally, well, stole and replaced in life. You know, this this person, and so going anywhere near there, she kind of feels that connection, that tether is still there. And she's afraid that, well, she'll be able to find me and and pay me back for what I did. Well, you know, the doppelgangers did not have the easiest life. And we might as well talk about it. When Red takes Adelaide and pulls, like, basically takes her by the throat. And then 
I don't know, does she faint? Somehow she drags her down into the depths yeah. of the dungeon. I mean, she crushed her like windpipe. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why when Red is speaking throughout this movie and she has that very, you know, strained and gravelly voice, it's because, I mean, that never fully healed. Yeah. And no <laughs> one else in the underground talks. Mm-hmm. They don't talk. She's the only one that can speak at all in any capacity. But she basically, the way she takes her and drags her down there and handcuffs her to the bed and then smiles at her when she wears, she takes the t-shirt and puts it on and goes and takes her life. It's so disturbing. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of those little hints, a lot of those little nods while they're at the beach, of course, that... Again, I love looking at them on multiple rewatches of this movie and seeing, yeah. oh, yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> this this girl being carried away by other people. Like, you know, they're just having fun. But but Adelaide is watching this and thinking back to her dragging away, the you know, the other little girl. And then, you know, somebody comes up from under the sand and it, it freaks her out. We get the the red Frisbee that comes between them. And that's like a little symbolism is it lands directly on the blue circle in this little towel of blue circles. It's this one thing that's like the others, but sticks out because it's different. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up in the time of Hands Across America, which mm-hmm. is a big part of this movie. If you look at things yeah. like the paper dolls that they're talking about and that Red is cutting out at the end of the movie. Um, to me, the t-shirt that young Adelaide was wearing when she was taken down into the underground it looks like paper dolls as people are stretched out across the front of it. Like, Hands Across America, it was a fundraiser that raised $15 million for fighting hunger, homelessness, poverty. All of that money was donated to charities in the local areas, and it cost $10 to reserve your place in line. It's real creepy. I feel like I'm saying that many times, but this movie is <laughs> so terrifying at times. Um, but I feel like that if you look at the very beginning of the movie, young Adelaide is watching this commercial. If you look in the reflection of the TV, she's cutting out paper dolls. Mm-hmm. It's all, yeah, it's the symbolism of that is just, it. it's, yeah, it's, it's a little unsettling. Oh yeah, for sure. So then, you know, we we see, again, knowing what happened, that's why the whole time at the beach, even when they're away from the beach, but they've been there, just Adelaide is terrified. Mm-hmm. There's a feeling of connection being tethered. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of the theme there to that, that tether, that double. And, and it's it's getting closer. Uh, they, the connection is real because we see, you know, in the flashbacks when we get like kind of the big reveal or whatever, but all of the, the tethered, all the doppelgangers are connected in the way like puppets where they're moving and doing the same things that their human counterparts are doing. Yeah. And so even though that connection isn't that strong that she was able to break out of it, mm-hmm. obviously the, the doppelgangers still know where their human counterparts are. They still have a strong enough connection to where you can't really run from them. You can't hide from them. And she's feeling this pull. She can feel yeah. it. Now that we're here, She's getting closer. Yeah. You know, she tells the story to Gabe kind of, you know, from the, from the viewpoint of, of real Adelaide, she doesn't tell 
him that she grabbed her and switched places with her. But but it was, I saw this other little girl and then something happened, yada, 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 skip over that part. One thing led to another and now she's after me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She talks about seeing another little girl who looks just like her. And it wasn't a reflection because Gabe actually says to her, well, you were in the house of mirrors, you know, Mm -hmm. and she's like, no, she was real. And like you said, her whole life, she's felt like this person has been coming for her. So we get the whole family on our driveway scene, which that's the first moment that really amps everything up in this movie. And I got, I I love it. Uh, It I mean, Adelaide clearly is already terrified because she knows maybe not exactly what's happening, but, but she knows who it is. Yeah. And she knows why, (laughs) why maybe not her, what she's planning to do, but why she's planning to do what she's doing. Yeah. She knows exactly what she did. Um, and I do love Gabe in that moment, trying to be tough guy dad. You know, if you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he was really funny. I found his character funny, but not necessarily tough. Like, I didn't yeah. feel like he, I felt like he talked a big game, but I don't feel like he backed it up very well. Right. I feel like <laughs> Adelaide was definitely the toughest out of mm-hmm. them. Even yeah, the Gabe kids not, were pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, Gabe was not ready for crazy, actually. No, because uh, no. Abraham starts making his way towards him, and then then the kids skittered off to the side. The, oh, the tethered God. kids is just the creepiest way. Uh, we Zora sees Umbre climbing the tree outside. Abraham's banging on the front door, and then. Next to the back window by Jason is when Pluto makes his first little appearance. Oh, man. Which I just have to say, Pluto is my favorite. It's really? Just, he's so cool. He's so creepy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's part the mask, but also how he just like walks around on all fours like a like an animal, like a spider kind of crawling around. Yeah. And he's just a firebug, literally, you know, he's just... You know, all these little parts, I'm like, man, it's so cool. You know, uh, Evan Alex, the kid who played Jason and Pluto, yes. had to have had a, a blast with that. Just yeah. being able to be the creepiest thing on screen, man. <laughs> it had to be fun, though, I think, you know, for all the actors to get to play such polar opposites of their characters. Yeah. And getting to bring that to life. Um, especially for Lupita Nyong'o, because... She really, the differences between the two, you know, Red and Adelaide were just so severe that it was pretty incredible to to watch her and know it was the same person playing both roles. And in all the cases, like, it had to have been a fun movie to do. Yeah. I do think, though, one note that I took during all of this is that Abraham won the Battle of the Door, mm-hmm. <laughs> took the bat, hitting Gabe in the leg. Um, it, it, you know, it, it just, ugh. Creep factor. Plus 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's interesting that, you know, because we see what happens with the Tyler family, where they're all just killed pretty quickly right away. Yes. But there's something about with this Wilson family that, that's not the case is they sit them all down and kind of explain to them through story and through metaphor, like what's going on and why they're doing this. And 
You know, they they and then they want to play with them. They have Zora run off because Umbre wants to chase her. Yeah. And they have Pluto and Jason go play together. You know, like they're they're toying with them and I think it's that's like a- because this is much more personal for Red. It is. It's very much like cat and mouse. Like mm-hmm. a cat loves to play with a mouse before it kills it. I think that's very close to what they're trying to do here. I found it really symbolic that Red had Adelaide handcuff herself to something, Mm -hmm. because that's exactly how the last time they saw each other, that's what happened. Yeah. Because Red didn't just take young Adelaide down and leave her in a room. She handcuffed her to the bed so she couldn't get away. Mm Mm-hmm. So she had plenty of time to get back up and go back out and live young Adelaide's life. Yeah. I thought it was really cool, too, when they're sitting face to face and Jason is just like, it's us. Like, Mm -hmm. it's us. Realizing that they're, like, looking in mirrors and seeing these alternate versions of themselves. Yeah. It's just really cool. Yeah. Uh, Of course, yeah, Lupita Nyong'o, incredible playing both parts, I think just mind blowing how well she does. But I also love, you know, uh, <laughs> I wish I, I didn't get the, uh, the actor or actress that played Zora written down. I should have Shahadi Wright. Joseph played Zora yes. and Umbre. Yeah. And uh, she has not been in a lot, but she did go no. on to be in another really creepy thing called uh, them. It's on, um, Amazon and it's about us and them. Us and them. <laughs> yeah. It's about a black family who during the second great migration, this is according to Wikipedia, moves from North Carolina to an all-white neighborhood in LA and the family's idyllic home slowly transforms into an epicenter of evil forces. I think I've so, heard of it. I yes. I feel like I have to watch that. Like it's got to be something that I would be interested in. So yeah, I'm going to check it out. She does so well with balancing the kind of, you know, young teenage girl who like just doesn't care about anything mm-hmm. versus the just intense, wide eyed, creepy <laughs> Umbre who's just staring and grinning at everybody. And oh, my gosh, uh, that's got just that that difference is, is so cool. Uh, Winston Duke, you know, Gabe being the goofy you know, funny dad, and then Abraham just being this powerful, overbearing, bearded, you know, scary figure. Who does awesome. and yeah. does whatever Red tells him to do. Yeah. She just lifts a hand and, and twists, twists her wrist, and he, you know, He's jumps off. into action. Yeah. And, and then the Jason-Pluto thing where, you know, Jason's kind of the shy, reserved kid. Who who's a little bit you know mischievous and got his you know pranks and his tricks, but then Pluto, I mean it is it's just so creepy. Like I said, he's he's like he's like a spider dog. <laughs> he kind of skitters <laughs> around, but he's got this dog like kind of quality too. As he walks around on all fours and he's like you know sits you know squats down next to Red and is rubbing on her leg and kind of has this growling purring sound that he does while he sits. Yeah. And, it's uh, it's so creepy. And it's so good. And as they're sitting in the closet together and, you know, uh, Jason has some, some kind of really strong connection with him where he's able to make him mirror his movements, which comes back 
in a big and, way later and, on. And they seem but, to get along okay. Like, they're not... Yeah. There's not this, you know, antagonistic situation between them. Right. They're kind of just sitting in the closet together, and Pluto lights a match. Mm-hmm. So, but when he, re- when he pulls that mask up off of his face to reveal the, you know, burnt, scarred face of, of Jason which is quite a shock for, for Jason to see. But yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I could just like geek out on like how cool the difference is between these two. And I, I, I understand like, there we go. Talking about panels and conventions. This would be a cast. that would be so much fun to talk about just to, to, you know, talk with them about the difference of these roles and getting to play those. Yeah. I would, I'd love, I'm sure there's interviews and stuff out there. I'm having to look cause man, it's so cool. <laughs> I know it is. We've, we really, I'm surprised, if you think about it, that we haven't covered this movie sooner. Mm-hmm. Because it, we both like it. Yeah. And we are always, you know, trying to pull it in a movie that would be fun for us to cover because we both really enjoy it. But this one, you know, we just saved it for now. So it's a season, definitely a season four movie. Yeah. Um, And I, I am going through my notes for... Adelaide, so I have just a few mm-hmm. little ones that will lead to the, you know, talking about the big reveal, which we've already talked about, but but leading to that. So I kind of skip over a lot of what happens to the Tyler family. We can talk about that at some point. Yeah, we will. But, uh, but yeah, after all that kind of goes down, the family's sitting around the TV watching the news with the presumed, or, uh, you know, assumed dead uh, one of the twins, <laughs> the Tyler Bailey, yes. laying just on the coffee table in front mm-hmm. of them. And that's when they all realize that it is a much bigger thing than they initially thought. It's organized. They're seeing the hands across America kind of starting to form right here in Santa Cruz. And seeing that, yeah, many people are being taken out by their tethered doppelgangers. Yeah. So, and they don't yeah. even know. Like, they don't even realize that the doppelgangers are doppelgangers. Yeah. Well, like the news doesn't really. Yeah. The, yeah. The news hadn't picked up on them. The Wilsons Which, know because they've yeah, seen they firsthand. <laughs> the Tylers found out. Yeah. At a time that. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Which these, these, there were some little hints right there about Adelaide in this moment. Of course, her talking about, because, you know, Gabe is telling her, let's just stay here. This is probably the safest place we can be. And how she so matter-of-factly, no, there's a connection. They know, and they're going to find us. We can't hide from them. Yep. How would you know that? You know, <laughs> like, the fact that she lays that out, and they don't question her on it, but. No. There's a reason she knows that. And she even says, we have to go to Mexico. Out of yeah. all places, why'd she pick Mexico? What's not hands across America. North America. North America. You know, like. (laughs) She wants to get away. Yeah. I loved her quote at that time where she just basically says, they look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us or we kill them. They've been planning this. They have the upper hand. This is the time to run. Not be sprinkling micro machines on the floor. (laughs) Because Gabe had wanted to go all home alone on them. Yeah, he said we could do like home alone, which here's the kids today moment of that where I love <laughs> Jason and Zora. What are what? micro machines? What's, What's home, home alone? alone? <laughs> like, oh no. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was great. Uh-huh. Ugh. 
<laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. There were funny <laughs> moments in this. Like, it wasn't all scary. There were some funny moments. Yes. For sure. Very, very, very funny moments. <laughs> like a gay... Well, the whole family in the car. Uh, <laughs> the scene that ends the game. I would have actually preferred you use a curse word in this case. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great. It was good stuff. But man, uh, my next Adelaide... Uh, I almost said quote. Note. They rhyme. Same word, I guess. No, my next... <laughs> Adelaide note that I really have is coming back all the way to the end. There's other things that happen, but her, her return to the mirror maze, of course, she's there really to find Jason, to find her son, but she knows she's going to have to face red. She sees the tethered all lined up outside, including the first one we kind of saw earlier. The, the guy that's standing on the beach with blood dripping from his hand that Jason sees and draws is there as part of that, that line there. And it's the, the, the homeless guy with the Jeremiah 11-11 yeah. cardboard sign that they saw who was dead on their way to the beach. So he's kind of the first, mm-hmm. I think. Um, he started the line. Because I, I, I guess they never really spell it out, but their their goal was to come out from underground, find their human counterpart, kill their human counterpart, and then they can join the line. Yes. Then they jump in the line. Everybody in time. Okay. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> oh my goodness. So he was, he was kind of the first there. So sees them, goes down there, fucks that creepy owl right up. We're not getting scared by that again. Oh, she was uh, taking no prisoners with that. <laughs> that was fantastic. Give uh, her a poker. That's all she needs. A fireplace right. poker and let her go to town. She's, she's just on it. Yes, she follows that hidden compartment that's inside that leads to underground. Clearly, she knows exactly where she's going. She has used that compartment before. Obviously. Again, this is before it is revealed to us, but but yeah, <laughs> she knows where she's going. Down a giant escalator, which after our time at Pandemic, like we were talking about, that's the true horror. <sighs> so many escalators. <sighs> oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we we learn then when when she faces off with Red, uh, which is interesting that that we kind of get a lot of this from Red, who is not really a tethered to begin with. Right, but she knows all of this stuff anyway. She's learned, but the tethered were created by a uh, shadowy they mm-hmm. in in, uh, <laughs> in quotations the. The powers that be, Illuminati, whatever you want to call them, yes. who knows? Um, where they're they're created as copies of of the humans that have a connection to the uh, to them, to where they could be used, kind of in shady ways to manipulate things and influence things on the surface. She says, like puppets. Mm-hmm. So it kind of they were wanting to use them the opposite way of what they ended up being, where yeah. the humans lived kind of freely and the tethered underground were mirroring them yeah the original experiment was to see you know can we control what people do above ground with what we do with these tethers yeah and it was the opposite and though they were two separate bodies their souls were intertwined Mm -hmm. which is how i think they're able to know where they are how the tethered are able to know where their doppelgangers are yeah 
But uh, apparently this <laughs> experiment didn't go the way that whoever they, quote unquote, wanted it. And it was abandoned. But all of the tethered were just left below, forced to be connected to their human counterparts, but with nowhere to go. And just to be unknown and forgotten mm-hmm. underground. Red, I guess the original Red, if we want to call her that, who is the Adelaide we know. It's It gets confusing when you try it to does. explain it once you kind of know what happens. But she somehow finds her way to the surface and encounters Adelaide and then switches with her, uh, which is not revealed in this <laughs> speech that, you know, <laughs> we were getting, but we find it out kind of at the end. Uh, but the, the tethered realize it's something, there was something special about red, the new red. Uh, and they looked at her to guide them in a plan to finally take the world you know, with the, that the other versions of them had control of. Yes. To escape the underground and take the place, their rightful place mm-hmm. in the hands across America. Yes. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> Adelaide is able to kill Red, saves Jason, and the family drives away in the ambulance. And that's when we get the reveal through the flashbacks of what happened when young Adelaide went into the mirror maze. Talked about her throat being crushed, which is why the the voice, and she kind of blends in down there because none of the other tethered speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tethered Adelaide had to learn to speak as a child, which is why there's that whole little moment of her young life where she was kind of in therapy and they're trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of what we get. It's interesting, and I still haven't been able to find a really good answer to it as to why after Adelaide quote unquote, (laughs) whatever, um, is thinking back to this. And we see that flashback that the way that Jason is looking at her as if he's clued into this as well. Mm -hmm. There's not really any reason why he should be. Unless he he overheard something when he was hiding. Yeah. He was in that locker. Yeah. And I've tried to think back to the conversation between them. And if there's anything that was said that really would have given it away. And I don't, I still don't really click on it. I think the speech that she gave ta- she gave in the classroom, which I think was talking about the souls and being special and it being a miracle and about dancing, mm-hmm. about her learning to dance. And she danced in front of, while Adelaide was dancing above, she was dancing below. Yeah. I found that interesting, but to me, something that was even more interesting is the way they shot their final fight with interspersing the the ballet dancing and Mm -hmm. the way the music fit and the slicing and the smacking and the, it was incredible to me. The choreography for that was just top notch. Yeah. So, um... I'm going to go in, if you don't mind, uh, this one, I, I'm just going to read it. It's kind of a little bit, I was wondering if I was going to save these till the end, but it feels like it fits now as I pulled an article talking about, you know, the, the souls. So here's a look, not kind of an official look, because Jordan Peele has not actually said anything official about the ending of this movie and the, uh, you know, meaning and the themes. He likes it to be open to interpretation. Of course. So he hasn't really spoken on it. So this is one that I found that I really like. It's kind of an explanation, not just the ending, but kind of the overall plot. And this one comes from Collider.com. 
Mm -hmm. uh, whoever wrote this one, but I I like it a lot. So I'm just going to read through it. It's, it's a little bit, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think it explains things pretty well because it is very open-ended and there's not really a message Mm -hmm. to the ending. It just kind of is left open-ending, but here's what they said. We're told earlier in the film that the doubles couldn't reasonably function as doubles because they lacked a soul and that all, and that for all the copying the government could do, they couldn't replicate that one part. Given the behavior we see from all the doubles, killing with abandon, showing no remorse over their actions, etc., that would seem to hold true. But switching Red and Adelaide leads to something far unnerving, which is that concept of a soul is a luxury provided by those who have the comfort of freedom and choice. The reason the doubles are soulless isn't because the soul couldn't be copied, but because they never had a chance at one in the first place. By swapping Red and Adelaide, we see a strong argument in favor over... Or in favor of nurture over nature. If Red truly had no soul, then she never could have adopted or adapted to life above ground. She couldn't have expressed herself through dance, found love, or been a part of a family. Conversely, if a soul does exist, then it can just as easily be worn away by circumstance. Adelaide starts out a normal girl, but after spending decades underground with the doubles, she eventually goes insane and decides to put together a murderous uprising. Furthermore, as the movie unfolds, we see that we're not so special and not so different. The Wilson family warms up pretty easily to the violence required to survive because fear of the other is such a motivating factor. We're desperate to hold on to what's ours, and that zero-sum game is represented by the uprising of the doubles. We can't live in peace with these doubles. Only one can survive, and as we see in the Red and Adelaide relationship, there's not enough to go around. Someone has to live below, and someone has to live above, but they cannot live together. Ultimately, that makes our difference with the doubles irrelevant. They want what we have, and so do we. Simply saying that one side is soulless is a cop-out. The last brutal stab in us isn't that we each have our own unique and beautiful dark side because we're all unique and beautiful in our own special way. Instead, we're shaped by the privilege of our surroundings, ones we don't get to choose. That's not to say that choices don't matter, but we should look at the luxury of who gets to have these choices in the first place. In order to have a normal existence, Red had to break the rules and steal Adelaide's life. It may be easy to chalk that up to who does and doesn't have a soul, but it'd be wiser to see who's given an opportunity and who has to take it. Ooh, that's pretty deep. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the social commentary explanation that uh, I found on Collider that was... Because, you know, we know with Get Out, that Jordan Peele likes to have this kind of social commentary in what he's doing. And this one's much more heavily veiled, but I think that one nailed it pretty well. That, wow. That is really deep. (laughs) There's so much about this movie. I feel like we could almost do a part two if we went and researched all the things. Or we could just keep this podcast going for, you know, six hours as we dissect (laughs) every little thing. But we're not going to do that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other notes on Adelaide? I do not. That was it. And that's really kind of my main notes with her kind of cover a lot of that. That's why I felt it was good to throw that quote in that oh, article yeah. in there. Because her story really covers the, the theme of the movie. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's probably about as deep as I'm going to get. And now it's just going to be all the rest of my notes. We'll go character to character and I'll just talk about, I like this thing. So that's kind of, we got the deep, the depth out of the way. I think maybe. (laughs) Somehow I'm not expecting a lot of puns in this. 
Did you use them all up last week? Yeah, um, yeah, probably. Uh, this this movie, I don't know. It's got some funny stuff to it, but it's yeah, it's not something that I usually just kind of point you know fun or joke around with as much because it's something that I really deeply uh, appreciate as as an art piece, and it's more yeah. fun for me to really dig into the seriousness and the meaning of it versus just have fun with it. Like I do yeah. with some things, not to say that those other things I don't also really love, but yeah, but it's a different format. It's kind of a different yeah. style of movie. <laughs> Definitely. I think we're, we often talk about music as a character in some films mm-hmm. and the music in this film, the score and different pieces at times reminded me a little bit of Hitchcock some Hitchcock films, Mm -hmm. um, especially like percussion and the random chanting at different times. It just, yeah, yeah, it fit really well and helped set the tone and the ambiance for everything that we got to see. Yeah. So, yeah. So with that, you said Adelaide notes are kind of done. So I would move on to Gabe a little bit, (laughs) mention him, Winston Duke, who is just, wonderful uh yeah <laughs> uh him and lupita nyong'o both in black panther together i know man <laughs> i know black panther is my favorite marvel movie so it was great to see them reunited in this one mm-hmm. uh yeah i just love when he shows up with the boat outside is like he's kidding right he is not kidding Mm-mm. uh <laughs> you know it hangs to the left Remember that. Um. <laughs> and then when they're sitting on the couch and he's trying to tell them, you can have the boat for all I care. And then <laughs> Zora says, nobody wants the boat, dad. She yeah. was funny. She right. was great. <laughs> she always had yeah. something to say. I lo- I really liked that. Yeah. And, and as goofy as he is and kind of, you know, not the toughest guy, but also he is capable. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially, you know, he does get kind of taken over by Abraham, but he wakes up. Abraham has him in a bag on the boat going somewhere. Uh, but he's able to knock Abraham out of the boat with the bat. He does fall out as well. But uh, Abraham is tethered to the boat, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> and goes off with it. Um, he and now Abraham had communicated with another double, so sounds most likely it was the double of Josh because that's the same yeah. sounds that uh, Tim Heidecker was making later yeah. on when we saw him <laughs> again. So uh, <laughs> that seems to be the preferred method of communication for yeah. the tethered because since they can't speak, right? So that was kind of the first little hint that it's not just the Wilson family; that there are others out there as well. Abraham is communicating. But yeah, uh, he, they fall out. Abraham is swept away with the boat and Gabe is just left floating there until, you know, the boat hangs left all the way back to him. And then it, it dies again right there. Just how lucky. Except Abraham is still there on it. So unlucky. But he is able to chop him up with the propeller. So lucky again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Meanwhile, the kids are dealing with their doppelgangers. Jason's able to trap Pluto in the closet for a little bit so he can get escape. He can escape, you know, the same closet that his sister had trapped him in earlier. Yeah. And Zora escapes Umbre by waiting till she's distracted with the guy who doesn't want her on the car. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) 
So creepy when Red tell you know just says little girl run yeah and I'm just oh yeah and Ombre just looks back and smiles at her mother and then goes running after her (laughs) yeah I'm not sure you know Zora talked about quitting track or or not being happy with track I'm not sure she would think about quitting now. Mm. Since running helped save her life. Yeah. Yeah. There's those little like nods to the characters. Of course, yeah, Zora with the running, like you mentioned, and then Jason playing with this magic trick that's supposed to create fire the whole time and not be able to get it right. So of course Pluto is this just fire bug, like mm-hmm. I said. Yeah. <laughs> also with fire. Gabe does not have the best uh with, with fire when he has to deal with Tex which is the name of, of the Josh doppelganger where you know, the flare gun idea didn't work. So no, great, but you know, no. <laughs> good, good thought. Uh, <laughs> yeah, definitely did not go off as planned. Boats, boats just don't work. Uh, of course, you know, they're on the crawdaddy is where they are. The whole family escaped. And then they, they deal with the stuff at the Tyler's, which of course, Josh, which Josh, Josh Tyler, Joshua Tyler is the name of the lead singer of a band called Half Alive. So I think that's funny. Oh, <laughs> just, I know uh, that band. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know that band. Well, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's weird when I see that. But um, yeah, of course, Josh's boat. Of course he named his boat. B, capital B dash yacht. Yes, um, of course. <laughs> B, yacht. Yes. So, yeah. It's yeah, perfect. That fits. <laughs> Well, Kitty is played by the amazing Elizabeth Moss, mm-hmm. who I know so many times covering Handmaid's Tale on House Podcastica. We've talked about over there her face. Like, she tells a story with her mm-hmm. face, does it again in this movie the entire yeah. time. Her, I, I have a note about that where I just said Elizabeth Moss and her face acting. Yep. She does uh, it. Dahlia... Watching Gabe and Tex fighting on the boat, and then she screams and then laughs maniacally, all of it while being completely silent. No yes. sound out of her mouth whatsoever, other than a few little breaths. It's so impressive. Uh- <laughs> no, so good. So good. But yeah, I have, let's see, another little note. Yeah, uh, about that. Because um, Gabe, I guess, does manage to take care of Tex while they're fighting on the B yacht. Yes. Uh, but it, it takes place off screen, so we don't really get to see how he takes him out. But we do get Dolly's face reaction we talked about, which, if you notice, though, yeah, she's screaming at first, but it ends. It would have ended with Tex dying, and then that that's when the joy and the laughter takes over. Which then, remember back to when they're sitting on the beach and Kitty and uh, Adelaide are talking, and she says that she thinks about murdering Josh. From time to time. Uh, yeah. Maybe not as much of a joke as it seemed. Uh, because no. Because those emotions and things, you know, a lot of like the little characteristics and emotions of the characters are heightened in their doppelganger forms. Yes. Uh, so so maybe she wasn't joking as much as we thought she was. I, with how yeah, much she I, hates her husband. <laughs> I don't think that the tethered, they might be a family, but I don't know how close and connected they really are compared yeah. to the actual families. You know, like the Wilsons and the Tylers. Although the Tylers were, they were definitely an interesting family. 
Yeah. Vodka o'clock, I think, is the preferred <laughs> time of day. Yeah. And poor Kitty has such a hard time. You know, she asks, what is it, Ophelia to call the police. <laughs> Instead, it plays... <laughs> Playing Fuck the Police, police by, by N.W.A. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> so good. <laughs> this is great. It just reminds me of when I'm visiting my nieces and they'll ask Alexa to play a song and it will not play the right song. It will end yeah. up, they're trying to get something from a Disney movie and it ends up saying that they're playing something by Eminem. <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Yeah. It's, there's some great, you know, it's, it's one of the, like the scary, it's not really scariest, but goriest scenes and sh- most, more shocking and thrilling scenes, of course, is the deaths of, of the Tyler family. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of humor that also is around that with with the music and you know it's not very good vibrations going on no in that in that house at the time uh and then of course it all ends with gabe coming back with boats are done i am done with boats (laughs) (laughs) don't blame me yeah so they decide that they can take the tyler's vehicle Mm -hmm. except they left the keys in the house yeah which again uh sorry to go back on something a little bit but Another one of those little things to notice about Kitty, besides her reaction to to Tex, uh, she doesn't kill Adelaide. No. You know, she has her tied up, has the scissors to her face, and then goes over and like cuts her own face. And it's one of those little hints, again, that she's she recognizes her as another tethered. Yeah. You know, or maybe you could take it either or maybe both. So she recognizes her as another tethered, or she knows, no, you're Red's. Yeah. Because Red organized this whole thing, and, and we're leaving you for her. Yeah. <laughs> but she does go after Zora, who is saved by Jason, and this sturdy statue that he uses to hit her in the geode. head with. Yeah, you got a geode. Yeah. They're, they're weapons of choice, the golf club and the geode. Which yep. Golf club was a great choice, great pick. Oh, Zora uh, was great with that. I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking maybe she might want to take up softball or fencing or something that requires, you know, some agility and strength because she yeah. was really good with that golf club. Yeah. She was smashing it. Yeah. And so you mentioned, yeah, having to go take their car and leave, goes back in, has to finish off one of the daughters that was laying there on the table in front of them while they watch TV Guess yeah. she eventually just got up, which leads to, you know, the last little funny moment surrounding this whole thing is with the whole family arguing over their kill counts, which I love that. Just... <laughs> I thought it was great. I killed two. I killed the twins. And, you know, Adelaide is very quick to say, uh, no, I just took care of the other one. So, no. Mm-hmm. One, 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 one and two. two. <laughs> yeah. But her, she's still handcuffed. And let's just talk about this. Adelaide is handcuffed throughout most of this movie. Yeah. And she still manages to take people out and be badass. Man. Mm. So Zora gets to drive. Finally. That's all she's wanted. This whole movie was to drive. Yes. And she finally (laughs) gets the opportunity to because Umbre is standing in front of the car a little ways ahead. And they want her to back up, and Zora is not having any of that. 
Mm-hmm. She's like, nope, hold on. Which the in, extreme acrobatic skills of Umbre, where she just kind of smoothly avoids getting hit and crawls up on top. It's this perfect timing thing. But, yeah. but Zora's pretty smart. That It's a whole different level of defensive driving, it right? It really uh- <laughs> is. She knows when to brake and when to accelerate. Mm-hmm. Which ends and- up with Umbre in a tree. Mm-hmm. Bent in half, but backwards, basically. Yeah, yeah. She's gone. She's done. That's it. Yep, it's over. <laughs> no coming back from that one. No, definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, so um, next, I guess, would be Jason. Uh, if I have any other notes about him, I've talked about how, you know, Evan had to have had so much fun playing the Pluto role and doing all of the different stuff. Um, but yeah, just how creepy they are mirroring each other uh, yeah. in so many ways. Talked about the face stuff, but even going back Zora and Umbre doing that same thing with the car that she ends up crawling on top, but looking at each other through the mirror or through the windows of the cars they walk. And yeah, just a lot of tension. Yeah. And all of that. But, but Jason gets his big moment where as they're getting away before he's taken by uh red, uh, <laughs> They're blocked, the, the Wilsons are blocked by a trap where their car has been left in the middle of the street on fire, causing them to stop. And Pluto is behind it with his plan to ignite the car that the family is in yes. while they're in it. Jason realizes this and uses his mirroring connection that he, we had established he had with Pluto to have him walk backwards into the fire, which is a little sad. It Again, was. I had a, a little soft spot in my heart for that well, creepy fucking Pluto. <laughs> as creepy as he was, I still liked him. Well, even Adelaide <laughs> was having trouble, like, watching yeah. him back, go backwards into that. But mm-hmm. by doing, Jason, by doing that, backed right into where Red was hiding. Yeah. Like, basically up against a car that was the same color as the creepy red jumpsuit that mm-hmm. they all were wearing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's notes on characters. Try to see if I have anything else. Not really. Do you have anything? Um, we know that the tethered, I mean, Red was very clear that the tethered want to take their time. They've been waiting for the day and she calls it the untethering. That was something. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the story that she told about being the shadow was really impactful. Um, I'm not going to recite it. Um, <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that when Red is dying, she starts to try to whistle the Itsy Bitsy Spider. Which, of course, goes all yeah. the way back to the beginning, which... Mm-hmm. You know, it ties it all together. Yeah. Another one of those thematic elements that Jordan Peele threw in that you'd have to kind of go. There's there's a lot of deeper meaning to spiders and rabbits. Yeah. The number 11. They're all in there. Yeah. And you just kind of <laughs> to really dig into them. I just don't. We don't have that kind of time. But I definitely say look into some of those things because they're they're really cool. Yeah. At the beginning of the movie, um, there were a few, when the ad is playing on the TV, that you could see a couple of movies on the side, like VHS tapes. 
One of them mm-hmm. is a movie called Chud, which I love. It's an old 80s movie with Daniel Stern. And it's about people who live underground. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and one of the other movies is The Goonies, which also people go underground. <laughs> so I yeah. thought, you know, oh, it's really clever to kind of put those together like that. And the only other thing I have is at the end of the movie, when they're getting ready to go to credits, they're showing us all of the tethered holding hands in hands across America. And it even goes right out into the, like the woods. And Mm -hmm. it started to make me think that it looked kind of like the great wall of China. Like it's Uh just going like in the middle of nowhere, like way out there is they're everywhere. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if the Wilsons will even find anyone else. You know, that's yeah. alive. How far did it spread before? Yeah. Yeah. And guess maybe keeps spreading. Again, we're not left with a very concrete ending, but that's okay. Yeah, we're, uh, we're not. I mean, movie opens with them talking about thousands of miles of tunnels beneath the continental mm-hmm. U.S., which is, again, why going to Mexico was so important. Um, yeah. It just makes me curious, I guess. Yeah. Thinking about tunnels. Just- opens with foreshadowing about the underground tunnels and then it just lets us forget about it until it mm-hmm. comes up again yeah which is, is cool uh <laughs> yeah of course then the vision quest with the native american imagery that again just another tiny little social commentary thing that back when Addie Addie was a little girl and it's this whole vision quest with native american and then when they go back in 2019 as a family and they've changed it to like a merlin's merlin's forest thing because yeah. you know merlin's forest because they realize hmm Maybe the native imagery is not the most uh, <laughs> progressive thing to do. No. So they had changed it. I thought that was kind of a fun little nod. Yeah. But of course, the tagline stays the same, which is find yourself. Yeah. Which is exactly what she did. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, she went into that tunnel trying to find her son the second time. Um, yeah, she did find herself the first time, too. Yeah. Man, this was a really good one to talk about. It's been a lot of fun breaking yeah, it down. Yeah, I have one more article note, not as long, a little thing. Uh, I had to include this because I thought it was cool. Of course, the the Bible verse, we see the guy a couple of times. The young Addie walks past him, sees him care- holding his Jeremiah eleven eleven. We see him again dead as his tethered doppelganger had taken him out. So the first one, and then we see his tethered doppelganger in the flashback with 1111 on his forehead. And so I I have a little thing about that. Jeremiah 1111, just read it. Uh, You know, uh, King James Version, get all uh, eth about it. (laughs) Therefore, thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Ooh. So, um, so again, Jordan Peele doesn't like to uh, talk about too many things, doesn't like to leave things out here, but I did find an Entertainment Weekly uh, interview with Lupita Nyong'o where uh, she talks about how this verse relates to the movie and her opinions. So she says, Jordan's exploring this notion that right now we're preoccupied globally with the other. The monster that is the other. 
the other culture, the other country, the other political faction, the other religion, the other gender? And what about the monster that sometimes comes in the shape of the man in the mirror and the darkness that we humans are prone to and quite naturally inhibit? Lupita Nyong'o continues, sometimes the darkness goes unattended to, unrecognized, ignored. And it is when that happens that we project it out externally and it becomes the destruction that we then have to contend with. Wow. That is insightful. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very insightful. Now I just feel like after we finish recording, I need to go do even more digging. Right. There's so many things you can look into in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, not every movie is like that. I mean, some movies that we cover when we're done, I'm just like, okay, that was great. But then there are ones like this one that make me want to dig deeper and try Mm -hmm. to uncover things. I just want Jordan Peele to to say a little more, to share a little more. And he won't. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Oh, God. No, that's his next movie pick. Good job. It is. I'm so excited. Me too. Comes out in July. Very excited about that. I haven't been to the theaters again in a while. I think that one's a definite uh, theater run. Yeah, for sure. His movies have to be seen in the theater the first time that you watch them. And I didn't see. I didn't see Get Out in theaters because I didn't realize what a freaking visionary he was going to be with his debut. But after watching Get Out, then immediately, as soon as I knew about us, I was like, well, that's an opening night to go for me. 100%. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone <laughs> anticipated that he was going to really break through with his you know, very first film. That it was yeah. going to be as clever and well-written and well-acted and the, the whole packaging for the movie was great i have watched the trailer for nope and i can mm-hmm. tell you this it doesn't give anything away cool. not a you know single me. thing you know i haven't watched it i know, know you have not watched it <laughs> it doesn't give anything away and <laughs> i probably will not watch another trailer for it even if one comes out because it's i kind of steven young in it right it does yeah that's what i thought yeah so, it's gonna be great Yay. it's gonna be great and <laughs> Based on what I did see in the trailer, it's definitely a Run for Your Lives movie, so we will cover it, and you know how much we love covering new films. Yes. Especially new films from directors that we love. Yes. I want Edgar Wright to do another dark movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I want to cover it, because he's just, again, (laughs) another one on this list of amazing directors. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our coverage and notes about the movie. But I do know that you have brought some fun production notes and things. Lots of fun trivia that you always find that I love to hear. I always have fun doing this. I dig around. I read articles, Wikipedia, IMDb. I just I dig until I find what I think are the coolest things. Um, so I'll just get started. So Jordan Peele did say that one of his inspirations for this film was the Twilight Zone episode Mirror Image, which I saw a long time ago, but I don't remember anything about it. Um, he shared 11 movies with the cast in order for them to have, quote, a shared language when filming. And 11, again. 11. That number. Yes. And these are the movies he shared. Jaws. Dead Again, 
The Shining, The Babadook. It follows A Tale of Two Sisters, which I believe is Japanese, uh, The Birds, Martyrs, the original, which I believe is French, uh, Funny Games, Let the Right One In, and The Sixth Sense. All very different. A, those are very different, but a lot of great ones. I have not seen all of those, but a lot yeah. of them. And a lot of those are uh, very Run for Your Lives movies. Some we've covered. Yeah. Uh, some we should cover. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And we haven't. I think I know some movies that are going on the list. Mm-hmm. Or I'll verify that they're on our list. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, he didn't have The Exorcist on this list. And the reason why I say that is because when the way that Pluto was like crawling around reminded me of a scene from The Exorcist with Reagan crawling on the ceiling, kind of like mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. <laughs> So, several of the important scenes take place on the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, which is like the 1987 film The Lost Boys. They didn't have to do very much to the boardwalk, as there are a lot of games and rides going back to the 1910s. There is an underground tunnel system, but it's used mostly for storage or shelter. There's no Hall of Mirrors. And um, during the filming at the sen- at the beach- the boardwalk... Rides were all filled with dummies, and then CGI was used to create moving people. Well, we didn't talk about it, but it was really strange when they were showing the underground and the people, and then people on the rides above the stuff that they were doing and the spinning around and being on uh-huh. the that was real strange looking. Yeah. <laughs> Get out was carved into the sides of the Hall of Mirror entrance. The overhead shot of the Wilsons driving to their vacation home. Along with the synchronized speech and the twins' mannerisms is a reference to The Shining. Jason Bloom, who produced Get Out, was asked to produce this one as well. His low-budget production company, Bloomhouse, could not come up with the necessary budget. Universal Pictures hired him as a producer outside of his company on a one-time basis. I feel like... And maybe I'm I'm wrong because there's people that come on different sides of this. I feel like I'm kind of glad that the the Blumhouse Blumhouse logo and name doesn't show up on this movie. Me too, because it doesn't always instill a lot of uh, yeah confidence in a movie for me. Yeah. There are some Blumhouse productions that have been incredible, but for everyone that is, there's three that are not good at all, and so <laughs> it's it's a fair it's a toss up with when he's on board. So I'm kind of glad that it didn't work out because it would have made me, I mean, the movie would have still been great, but it would have made me a little more cautious nervous. About yeah. It. I feel the very same way about a 24. <laughs> I do, but I think we figured out, we had a discussion once and that it was Ari Aster. I yeah. guess that was my issue. <laughs> <laughs> so the fast food that the family eats is called Copper Pots, which is a nod to Chester Copper Pot, the legendary treasure hunter in the Goonies. Uh, the presence of white rabbits, the Hall of Mirrors, and the red jumpsuits worn by the Tethered are all references to Alice in Wonderland. The Hall of Mirrors in particular represents the through the looking glass, while the red suits represent the Red Queen, and who's the villain of Alice in Wonderland. 
Uh, the son's name, Jason, is a reference to Friday the 13th's villain, Jason, who also wears a mask. The movie was shipped to cinemas under the title Deep Cuts. The doppelgangers, taunting and playing with the Wilsons while they're on the couch, simply terrified, is a reference to the movie Funny Games, which, have you ever seen that? I actually have not. I know what it is, and I know a lot about it. And I think it's the fact that I know a lot about it that makes me not watch it. Yet. Yeah. I, I, I do want to sit and watch it at some point, but I know it's a rough one. Um. <laughs> it's incredibly rough. I've seen it once. I have not watched it since because it is traumatizing. The scissors used by the doppelgangers are a reference to A Tale of Two Sisters, which is the weapon that they used. It's also a reference to Dead Again, which features a pair of antique scissors, which I've seen Dead Again. I believe Nicole Kidman was in it. It's one of her earliest films in the early 90s. I think Kenneth, um, Kenneth Branagh was also in that. Um, the fact, as you talked about this, Peg, that the tethered chiefly used scissors as a weapon is a great representation of the tethered themselves. They're two identical pieces bound together to create one whole and also... It's a way of separating. Mm -hmm. So my final note is Lupita Nyong'o based the voice of Adelaide's doppelganger counterpart Red on a neurological disorder called spasmodic dysphonia, which causes involuntary spasms of the larynx. She was inspired to do so after reading a line in script, which stated that Red had not used her voice in many years. She did in incredible job with that, she that did. vocal performance and everything it's just man yeah impeccable <laughs> yeah there's not enough appreciation for the acting and what some of what cast members will do for a role and i feel like yeah. in this movie in particular there has to be an appreciation for what all of the actors did not only in playing their main parts, but in playing their tethered parts as well. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> oh, man. oh man. Speaking of that, I, I, now that our feedback phone is ringing, I, I hope we have some really good feedback for this one. Me uh, too. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Better answer Pick it. Pick that up and see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. A little bit of feedback this week. First one in Run for Your Lives fashion, going back to last week's episode, talking about Ready or Not. Daphne, why don't you take that one and see what our friend had to say? All right. It's from Tony. Yeah. Hi, Tony. Tony says, welcome back. I just listened to this episode tonight. A fun one to start your new season off. We thought so, too. Mm -hmm. I think I'll go ahead and give it a rewatch because it has been a while. Also looking forward to us. I'm disappointed you won't be covering Midsommar. I really think that one has a lot to unpack. A really great movie about cults and how they recruit and brainwash. I have watched it multiple times and find it fascinating, but some scenes are certainly cringe for sure. Agreed. And I did communicate with Tony on Twitter and shared... My love of the Wicker Man. The Wicker Man she had watched was the Nicolas Cage version. Uh -huh. 
And I talked to her a little bit about the original, so I hope she does get to check that out. I also said that if people requested it more, maybe we would have to cover Midsommar, but since both of us are really not on the Midsommar bandwagon... <laughs> it would be interesting. It, I'm not opposed to... Because I, I, I don't think I hated it as much as you seem to, but uh, but I, it's not a favorite of mine. Um, but I, <laughs> I have a lot of good friends of mine who are obsessed with it and love it. So I don't know. Um, it's one of those things where I, I would not be opposed to going back and rewatching at some point and really trying to break break it down and look into it and see. Because you know, podcasting sometimes does turn things around. Um, sometimes it doesn't, depending on the movies we're covering. Yeah. But, but but there have been times that it, it does. So it could be an interesting little experiment to see how we feel about it that could. sometimes. We, I'd have to be in the right frame of mind. Uh, it's <laughs> not one I want to cover next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but eventually it might happen. So never say never, Tony. <laughs> and then with this week's movie, Us, which we kind of had a little bit from Tony. So she said at least she's excited to see yeah. and hear about it. So hopefully we get more thoughts about Us next week. From you, Tony. Mm -hmm. We'll see. <laughs> Let us know uh, what, you, what you thought when you went back and watched it. But Alma Contreras did have some thoughts about it. Says, you know, I've only watched this movie once at the theater and I found it really disturbing and I would love to hear y'all's thoughts. Which you have now. And yeah. so hopefully you enjoyed our thoughts and breakdown and kind of some stuff. Because, yeah, I it is very disturbing. But I love this movie a lot, as as you heard when we talked about it. So. Yeah. yeah, I hope, um, Alma, that you will write in and let us know if listening to us helped clarify anything that you were questioning about the movie. So if you would like to submit feedback like Alma or Tony, you can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash runforyourlivespodcast. You can email us at runforyourlivespodcast at gmail.com. Tweet at us on Twitter, at RFYL Podcast. You can message us on Instagram, at Run For Your Lives Podcast. And if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, pretty much all other podcast players, including YouTube. Go to runforyourlivespodcast.com for all the links you'll ever need. And give us a review on Apple Podcasts, as that's the best way to share the love and get us out there even more. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, we do. And speaking of sharing the love, I can go ahead and give a little, a couple of shout outs to what's going on in the podcast universe around us. As always, my other podcast, Strange Indeed, I'm actually not really doing a lot on necessarily right now. Um, I might jump in on there. We'll see. I'm binging. I'm trying to catch up. I've been so behind. <laughs> but because, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, soon, coming up very soon, we'll have... Two things to look forward to on Strange Indeed. The first one, like I said, I might not be a part of, unless I catch up, because I've been binging, and that is Ozark, the second half of the final season of season four. Um, we'll be, uh, they, I say we will, as far as Strange Indeed will be covering. I know Wendy is kind of taking the, the helm on that, giving her the opportunity on that. And then I know Rima, I think, is caught up and we'll be talking with her. And then she'll be pulling in some other friends and stuff of ours who are really into Ozark to, to guest with. And then if I catch up before the ending of it, then if I feel like it, I might jump in on an episode or two. We'll see. I said I've been binging, catching back up on it. I love that show so much. It's just one that I always end up like putting down and then forgetting to go back to. So 
because it's it's heavy because it's it's a hard show to binge because it it is it is intense and so it's one of those shows that you watch like two or three episodes you're like i need a break for a little bit and so that sounds uh, like the handmaid's tale yeah yeah it's very (laughs) very similar as far as like it can get really intense and a lot of emotional and heavy stuff but it is good so if you're a fan of ozark because again april 29th is when the uh back half of season four starts or all comes out because it's Netflix. So they're dropping the back half on the 29th. And then I would say, uh, assume that they'll be covering it pretty soon after that. And also I think they recorded maybe yesterday or yeah. two days ago, whatever you're hearing yeah. this, uh, Rima and this Wendy week, are doing yeah. a recap of uh, seasons one through four a as to kind of to catch everybody up. So that should be out like within this next week, within a few days. So definitely check that out. And then of course, stranger things comes back. uh, May 24th, maybe. Yeah, it is. So, and then uh, me and Rima will definitely 100% be covering that when that starts happening. Um, And we'll probably be pulling in some uh, guest co-hosts and stuff on that too. We'll have some fun with that. So yeah, it's such a Ozark Ozark coming up soon and stranger things after that. So stranger deed will be kicking up some fun stuff very soon. Keep and uh, keep your eyes peeled on it. I heard a rumor. The umbrella Academy is coming back. Yeah. Soon ish. I'm excited about that. Yes. And then we don't have an official date, but we have an official that it's the final season, but lock and key will be ending on season three. And I have a feeling that will be at the end of this year as well. Yeah. So, good Lots stuff. Of great man. series are ending. So <laughs> yeah, it's- it's going to be a difficult year to say goodbye to some great TV. Mm-hmm. Speaking of great TV, because that's what we <laughs> like to cover a lot of here is different TV and movies, movies specifically here, but in our podcast universe, a lot of TV show stuff. So uh, good friends over on House Podcastica and the Yellow Jackets WTF podcast. Still doing the uh, rewatch of the season one episodes of Yellow Jackets. We are. We are recording this weekend, and it will be out next week. Episode 9, Doom Coming. Myself, Jason, and our friend Alex will be on with us to talk about that episode, which was one of the best, if not the best, episode of the season. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about Breakdown. Awesome. And then if you are a fan of Moon Knight, like I am, and I know Daphne is, and anybody with any sense of any <laughs> <laughs> should be. It's so yeah. good. So freaking good. Oh, my God. This week was I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to give anything away. But, man, um, <laughs> Oscar MCU's doing some fun amazing. stuff, man. Oscar Isaac is incredible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watch Moon Knight, people. It's yeah. so good. We're definitely a Moon Knight house here. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are a fan of Moon Knight, good for you pat yourself on the back for having a love of great television and then check out some great podcasts uh, to hear people that are really awesome. Break that show down. You can check that out on panels to pixels with Mark and Steve. Check that out on TV podcast industries. And you can also check that out on house podcastica or the moon Knight cast, Jason and Kirk doing it there. Lots of places to get your moon Knight fix. A lot of good podcasts there. And I did mention TV Podcast Industries, which is also covering season two of Picard. So if you're a Star Trek yeah. fan, if you're a Trekkie, get over to TV Podcast Industries for your Picard fix. 
They're always busy over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're just putting out all the stuff and doing so good <laughs> with all of it. And then next week on Watched It in the 80s podcast, so not uh, out now, but be on the lookout for it, uh, Damien will be covering Das Boot. Yes, he and Jerry have recorded it. It should be out next week. And that is it for other podcasts. But if you want to know what's going on here on this one that you're currently listening to next week, what are we going to serve up for them? Well, next week we are drawn into a world where technology is not our pal. When a robot apocalypse occurs during their cross-country adventure, an ordinary dysfunctional family is forced to embrace their differences and be the unlikely heroes to save Earth. We are covering the 2021 animated film, The Mitchells vs. the Machines. Oscar-nominated animated Oscar-nominated <laughs> So much fun. I had never seen it, which is the case sometimes on this podcast. And I love it because that's one of the things that has happened is I'm getting exposed to movies I've never seen. And even though when we first started the podcast, it felt like I was introducing you to most of the movies. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm getting my fair share now, and I like yeah. it. It's broadening <laughs> my horizons. So I am enjoying it a lot. Yeah, that one's a great one. So definitely check that out. And again, it is an animated film. So it will be family friendly, kid friendly. So if you got little ones around, you, you should be able to at least listen to it out loud and they shouldn't hear any new words. Exactly. Um, <laughs> we, we keep it PG yeah. when it comes to podcasts about animated films. Yeah, because that way, you know, if there are kids who are big fans of these uh, shows or these movies. A lot of kids don't really want to sit and listen to a podcast. They've got much better things to do and I don't blame do. them. But, but hey, if there's any parents of kids who are really big into this movie, I'd love to know what your kids think about this. Like, Because we, we did talk about a lot of the adult themes that are in this movie and a mm -hmm. lot of the more mature themes that are in this movie. But I would love to hear feedback from just a kid's point of view on what they love about this thing. So yeah. there's some homework. I don't know if it will pay off, but if we have any parents out there listening, uh, let us know what your kids think about Mitchell yeah. versus the Machines. <laughs> It'd be cool. And with that, we have reached the end of another terrifying, yet fun episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Pate. And if you have to run, you better run for your lives. Bye-bye.